Luke chapter 14, please. As you turn to Luke 14, I just wanted to read this uh, Psalm 100. It's a psalm of thanksgiving. I thought it would be appropriate for thanksgiving. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. And I think of that last sentence, and his truth endures to all generations, and I just think that in John it says, Sanctify us by your truth and your word is truth. So every time we get together to go through God's word, we're being set apart more and more and made more into the image of him by his working, not by anything we do. And it's so cool, uh, looking back over the past 30 years, when I first received the Lord into the present day, is I don't have to go to church. I get to go. I don't have to read God's Word. I can go to His Word. It's not a, a ritual. It's something we are privileged to do. One of the things we're going to look at tonight, uh, the title of tonight's message is, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? And we're going to look at the same parable in two different sections of Scripture. The first is Luke 14, and then we're going to flip over. Matter of fact, hold your place in Luke 14 and get your uh, other section ready. It's going to be Matthew 22, and we're going to flip from one to the other, so you have both. So the first one we're going to look at is Luke 14, and then we're going to flip over to Matthew 22. It's pretty interesting as you study the scriptures and you look, when Jesus first started his ministry, he did a lot of miracles and things took place. And after a certain number of miracles, he started talking in parables. And I was just looking up some things on the parables uh, in preparation of tonight's message. And Jesus did not expect everybody to understand the parables. Pretty interesting. He didn't expect everybody to understand him. In Matthew, you don't have to turn to this, but in Matthew 13, 10 to 17, it says, Then the disciples came and asked him, Why do you speak to them, the crowds, in parables? And Jesus answered, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. And I was thinking, well, why? Why wouldn't he want it to be given to them, but to be given to other people? Verse 12, for to those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. And in verse 12, I was just thinking, well, you know, you and I have exposure to God's Word. And 
And we consistently come back Wednesday or Sunday, week after week, month after month, year to year. And we get to go from Genesis to Revelation to see the whole teaching of God's Word. We get His whole counsel. We don't just get bits and pieces. When you do that, there's a hunger that's shown in you and in me when we are exposing ourselves to the teaching of God's Word. We know that's His grace. In other words, no matter if this is your first time here, your hundredth time here, your fiftieth time here, there's no perchance that you're just here. It's because of God's Spirit on you, drawing you to put you in a position to grow, to make decisions. All of us in here are different problems and situations that we're in. We're struggling with different things in our life, but as the band was pointing to one song that Jesus conquered the grave. He conquered the grave. There's nothing that you and I can go through in this life that He will not be with us through and we will conquer. Now, you know, you could conquer that by leaving this earth and going into a Christ-full eternity. But sometimes people think that the answer always has to be so you're solid and healthy and everything's okay on this earth. Remember, we're just visiting. We're just passing through. So the situations, the circumstances, the people, God's Word, as we hear it, is molding us for us to make eternal decisions. Pastor Joe said something uh, probably three weeks ago. He says, your belief affects your behavior. What you believe is brought out in how you act. Now, of course, we all blow it at times. We all sin and we make mistakes. But what you believe is going to be shown in how you live day to day. None of us are foolish enough to think that we're going to live forever here on this earth. We just have to drive by a cemetery. We just know how death has hit our individual families. Here in this church, we've lost people just in the time we've been here in this building. So what makes us lose sight of the fact of that reality that we're just passing through? And that Jesus' word throughout Scripture, just think of all the prophecies. Even if you just stay in the Old Testament, all the prophecies have been 85, 90% have come true. Why won't the other 10 or 15% also be true? It's 100% accurate. So what keeps us from stepping out of that boat and taking Jesus' hand and walking with him where he brings us? What is it that holds us back? Do we have a grasp on the very things that we have no control of? Like, are we in a false denial or in a denial that we can control our circumstances? Microscopic viruses knock us out for a few days or a week, whether it's a flu or a strep throat or some type of sinus infection. You don't even see those little things that cause us to be totally off kilter. Verse 13, the reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive, and hearing they do not listen, nor do they understand. With them indeed is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that says, You will indeed listen, but never understand. And you will indeed look, but you'll never perceive. 
For this people's hearts has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Notice those things that are happening. The hearts grow dull. Because if we don't expose ourselves to God's Word, it's going to be hardening our hearts. God's Word chips away the flesh that causes us to not be able to hear the very things that God wants us to hear. And then we, we close our eyes, or people close their eyes so they don't see the very things that God is trying to get their attention with. And they don't listen. And then it goes back to reflection of they're not understanding. So we're going to look at a parable tonight that you're going to see things. God's going to reveal things to you. And it says in verse 16 of Matthew, But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. And Lord, before we go into the scriptures tonight, I just pray that all of us have the eyes to see, the ears to hear, the heart to understand, so that this is not a futile time of our lives, that this is a precious moment to you, Lord. That when we give you the thanks, we know we're giving thanks to a real Creator, a real Savior, that we will be spending eternity with if we put our hands and our lives in your hands. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's look at Luke 14. Starting with verse 15. Now one of those who had sat at the table with him heard these things. He said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now the, one of, most of the guys that were at the table with Jesus were Pharisees. And if you get a chance and you read the first 14 verses, they were trying to catch him breaking the law. They were trying to trip him up. Now Jesus created these Pharisees. Who better knows the inner workings of a thing than the creator of that thing? And here in this case, these human beings created by God himself who was sitting with them knew the very things that they were thinking. And here they are eating bread with the bread of life. The very one who could give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand was sitting right next to them. And this particular Pharisee who was at the table makes the statement, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now my question would be, after Jesus went through the things he did in the first 14 verses, is would be to ask him, well, Jesus, I want to eat that bread. I want to be in that kingdom of God. Like Nicodemus, what must I do to be born again? I don't want to be silent and just wonder what's going on. I want to have an active involvement with this man, Jesus. I want to find out if he really is who he says he is. And how many people are going to get that close to him to break bread with him. In verse 16, it says, Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. 
But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Now this particular parable is in Luke. But one of the things you should always try to do is go through Matthew, Mark, and John to see if there's any other things that we can get to put together with this to see if we can get a bigger picture of what's going on. So now I want you to flip over to Matthew 22. And we're going to find out a little more about this particular supper that was taking place. And we're going to start with verse 1 and go to verse 14. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. And they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who were invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So as we look at these two parables, we see they're one and the same. But we're seeing that the in Luke, the supper that was talked about is actually a wedding feast. And people were invited to come to the wedding. Now, who were these people that Jesus was speaking about? Who were they that were invited to the wedding feast and were preoccupied with different things. If you look to the first thing we read in uh, Luke chapter 14, notice some of the things that preoccupied these people. Verse 18, 
But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. One of the excuses was, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. Think about that. He bought the ground first, and then he went to see it. I don't know if I would want to take him as a realtor. I don't know if that's the kind of guy I would want in my corner. That he would buy a piece of land and then go check it out. Notice what the second person said. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. This guy tested them after he bought them. Imagine buying a car, used car, putting down the money, and then trying to drive it out, and it doesn't work. You have to test it first. Here's two excuses. Third one, still another said, I have married a wife. And it seems like he knew her. He didn't have to find out who she was. So he married a wife and therefore cannot come. And I was thinking about this and I thought about three things looking at the three excuses. The first, if you notice, had to do with land. And I was just thinking how we're created. Most of us, most of us is made of water, but when we die and decay, we just go back to the earth. The second thing that uh, he's using is the five yoke of oxen. I was thinking about the oxen, how oxen back in that day was used for sacrifice. But here they're using it as a material thing, you know, building up their oxen and building up their cattle and their farm and that whole thing. It was all wrapped up in materialism. And the third thing with the wife, I was just thinking he's missing out on the biggest marriage which is the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now one day, anyone who puts their faith in Jesus is going to celebrate. Now, you know, tomorrow, whether you're coming here to the church or you're going to your family, friends, and relatives, it's a time that people celebrate and give thanks, hopefully to the Creator, hopefully to Jesus, hopefully to the Holy Spirit. But it's a time for families to get together you know, one of the two or three times they have a big meal during the uh, year. And here, how many of us don't really think about that marriage supper that we're still traveling towards, that we're still going to partake of? And I think I shared this before. They say hell is there's going to be a big feast too. There's going to be a banquet table. But nobody's going to be able to eat because they're all trying to take the food and put it into their mouths, and they can't do it. Well, in heaven, there's a banquet table too, and everybody has the same stiff arms, but they're feeding and getting everything they want because they're feeding other people. And where is our heart? Is it centered on ourselves, or is it centered on others? God, who left his throne room, showed that he was the greatest servant because he reached down into this earth to expose himself to you and me so we know who he is. And as we look at some of the things in Luke and in Matthew, I want to just point out a few things. And as we do that, I wanted to go to John. You don't need to turn. And we're 
Jesus talks about him being the shepherd of the sheep. And how he is the door of the sheepfold. And that anyone who tries to come in any other way but through the door is a thief and a robber. Notice what took place at the end of Matthew. The king came to see the guest. He saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. Now one of the things the Bible tells us is that when you believe that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sent his son to die on a cross for your sins and mine, we are clothed with the robe of righteousness. That's our wedding garments. Those are our wedding garments that we have on. But this particular fellow that he calls friend, because Jesus loves all those people who reject him and try to enter any other way. He still loves them, just as he loves you and me. But this person trying to get in another way and wear some other garments that weren't accepted at the wedding. And we see what happens to this particular man, that he was thrown out, binded hand and foot, and thrown into the outer darkness, where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we see in the New Testament, those are other examples there, of they're talking about hell. An eternity separated from here, from God, from the presence of the people of God. Now, guess who's coming to dinner? The title. Well, if you're a believer in the Messiah, you're the one that's invited to this dinner. You've accepted the invitation when you've accepted the substitutionary death of Jesus on the cross for your sins. You will never be eternally separated from him. But are there things preoccupying you? Like those people, whether it be with his wife, whether it be with the uh, cattle, or whether it be with the land. Is there something that preoccupies you that only a few times a year, or maybe when somebody passes away or gets terminally ill, that you really think about the brevity of this life and the eternity that's on the other side. I want to show you a quick clip, about a minute. In about two minutes, we'll show you that clip. And let me just speak to you for a minute, and then I'll wrap it up. And I was just thinking how thankful I am that God has given us his word, preserved through the centuries by the Hebrew writers. The diligence that they took to pen every single manuscript over and over and over again. Yet many of these Israelite people are the ones who were invited to the wedding. And they didn't see, they didn't hear. They didn't hear the prophets in Matthew, some of the people that were killed were the very prophets that God sent to reveal the Old Testament that there was going to be a Messiah that was going to come someday for 
the sins of the people of the world, because everybody sins. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. It's right there in the Old Testament. And it's fulfilled in the New. If you know the Old, you can see what the New reveals. If you know the New, you can go back into the Old and see what's concealed in the Old. It works together. It's one unit book written by, out of God's heart, through 60 different authors, or over 40 different authors, and 66 books. That's amazing. So let's take a look at this, and then we'll wrap it up. Chapter 24, verse 42. Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. I want you to know, church, that Jesus Christ could come this month. Or he might come next week. Or he could even come... Thanksgiving with his girlfriend, the tire blew out, he, he lost control, spun out of control, went into a guardrail, the back window blew out, but thank God, they're okay. But that we know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, any of the big holidays, how many fatalities are there? There are people that have entered into eternity since you and I have been here tonight. Were they like that young man? who went down with the red shirt on and went down and just realized that he had been living falsely, that he knew the truth, but he didn't embrace it. He's heard about Jesus, he heard about his word, but he didn't take it for reality. It was just diluted because of all the false philosophies and false religions in the world. Investigate them all. There's nothing to them. Jesus, if you take eight prophecies, any eight, the chances of him filling any eight, just any eight, 
It's like me giving you a Oreo cookie and giving you so many Oreo cookies that you can fill the state of Texas two feet high. But one of the Oreo cookies you take a bite out of and we'll shake up the whole state of Texas. And we blindfold you and bring you to Texas and whenever you say, okay, let me stop right here. We let you stop, you reach down in the pile and you bring out that one cookie with your teeth marks in. That's the chances of Jesus fulfilling just eight prophecies. But he fulfilled over 300 prophecies. What are we not believing in why? Is it stubbornness? Is it tradition? Is it heritage? Is it birth? What is it? What is keeping us from seeing and hearing and receiving in our heart and understanding. There's so many things to give thanks for. We've made it to this point in our lives regardless of our age. We've heard the gospel. We've been presented with the salvation message. We have family and friends who love us. What are we holding on to that keeps us from seeing the very many blessings that God has given us? Change today. It's a matter of attitude. If you have an attitude of gratitude towards the one who has created you, you're starting to be on the right track. But if Jesus is knocking at your heart's door, remember what it says in Revelation. He stands at the door and knocks. If anyone lets him in, he will come in with them and he'll suck with them. He'll eat with them. One of the great things about eating back in the Old Testament is you dip your bread in the same portion as everybody else. And they believe that when you ate from the same bowl and ate of that same piece of bread, you were becoming one and tighter with that person you were eating with. So it is with Jesus. He's the bread of life. As we take him in, he comes inside of us through his Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural action. And he makes us more and more like him over a course of time. It doesn't happen overnight. Anybody who's been a Christian for a while understands that. And a Christian is somebody that just follows Christ. They're a Christ follower. So, guess who's coming to dinner? Hopefully it's you. Hopefully it's you. And we're going to be sitting at this marriage supper at the Lamb one day. And we're going to be seeing each other. We're going to remember the time we had and cross paths here on this earth. And it's going to be a joyous time. But don't let anyone or anything stop you from investigating and observing and understanding the things that God has presented to you in creation, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. It's there for you to see. Will you have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand? Hopefully, the answer is yes, and that's just another thing you just give thanks for. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for our lives. We thank you for our brains and our hearts and our ears and our eyes, Lord, to see things that maybe shakes us, to wake us, but boy.